1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
0: Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is presented by betonline.ag. And Ike, the NFL draft is here this week, first round getting underway on Thursday. Steelers have the 24th pick. And If you want to place a bet on what you think is going to happen during Thursday's draft, BetOnline is the place to do it. Bet
1: online been rocking with us since day one. I wonder if the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round for the 24th pick is going to get a linebacker. I'm thinking outside, maybe. Some a bet on it.
0: Yeah, you're going outside linebacker. I'm hoping for offensive tackle. But if you want to place a bet on the action, Bet online is the place to do it. I, the Kentucky Derby is also this weekend too. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All right, cue the music. It's time to start the show. To the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe podcast network. I'm your host Mark Berg, and joined as always by my guy, two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. Ike, it is draft week. It is here. I'm psyched for today's show. We have a loaded show for our listeners today. We're going to go through your top defensive backs in the 2021 NFL draft. We'll break it down, cornerbacks, safeties, but we've got some Steelers news to get to right off the bat. To start, how are you doing this morning? As you can tell, I'm really excited.
1: I'm not sipping my tea as they would say on social media. I got my coffee going on, so I'm ready, baby.
0: On today's show, we'll discuss Justin Lane getting arrested facing felony gun charges, but I wanna start with Chuk's Okorafor moving from right tackle to left tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I, I thought Coach Mike Tomlin's quote was very telling of what the Steelers are likely to do starting Thursday night. In the NFL draft, he says, pencil Okorafor in as the starter at left tackle right now, but it means absolutely nothing. I'm hoping that this means Pittsburgh's going to make upgrades along its offensive line, and hopefully the Steelers can get that running game going in the 2021 season. That's my hope, but what did you think? What did you make of this news?
1: So when I saw Coach T switch Bud Dupree and TJ Watt, I was like, I wonder why. So then I got to thinking. I was like, "Okay, Stephon to it likes to take chances. T.J. Watt is by the book. Um, Cam Hayward is by the book, and Bud to du- Bud Dupree like to take chances. So I looked at that matchup, and I can say the same thing about going from right tackle to left tackle. It's all about matchups." Uh, Sometimes on that offensive line, you might have guys who are a little bit loose who are stronger in passing game to running game, and others might be stronger in the running game than the passing game. So Coach T knows exactly what he's doing. Now, to get an offensive lineman in the first round, I wouldn't be mad. Actually, I think that would be a smart move. So I'm going to go outside linebacker first round first or inside in 1A, 1B. I wouldn't hesitate, and I would agree with you on this one that they might go offensive line first round as
0: well. And know several weeks back on the Believe in Steelers podcast, we've been going position by position group, Ike, and you said a guy I would love to see on the Steelers roster, Oklahoma State's Tevin Jenkins. I think he would be a great addition to this team. But if the Steelers do get an offensive tackle with their first round pick, maybe their second round pick, I would love to see a three-man competition between for Zach Banner, who's battling his way back from a season-ending knee injury, and then whichever rookie the Steelers decide to draft. Because I do think this is a positional need for the Steelers.
1: Yeah, the, if, if Pittsburgh get an offense alignment in a in the first round, he started there. There won't be. It, it will be his job to lose. You know, that's that's a that's a for sure pick. Once you start going O line and D line in the first round. You thinking Pro Bowl, All-Pro, if they're that good consistently, Hall of Fame type of guys. Uh, Pouncy, Hall of Fame kind of guy. The Castro, Hall of Fame kind of guy. Alan Fanca, Hall of Fame kind of guy. So once you start going first round with these offensive linemen, you basically say, man, they're my starters.
0: I'm with you there, Ike. And so I'm just hoping this line can return to form you're going to have to replace a future Hall of Fame player, Marquise Pouncey, but DeCastro could return to form. And then Kevin Dotson at the left guard position, like a lot of people in Steelers fans out there said, let's go get the running back. To me, let's go get a dominant offensive line, and then we could live with an average to above average running back. I'd rather have a domino line and an average running back than a dominant running back and an average offensive line. That's where I'm at. Yeah, you might be able to go get a rookie, whether it's Nijay Harris or Travis Etienne or Chuba Hubbard. There are, a lot, there are a lot of running backs, but the positional value in the first round, I, that's no knock on Nijay Harris. I just don't think right. that running back should be valued that high. Not to mention, a year ago, the Steelers already drafted Anthony McFarland. Commit to him and Snell. Those are your two, your 1A, 1B at the running back position as it stands right now. Commit to the running game and make upgrades on the offensive line like you want to find the Steelers heir apparent to bud dupree from the outside linebacker position i'm looking at it from the standpoint of someone's going to have to play left tackle come opening day because Alejandro Villanueva is still free agent as it stands right now like but you have to address that because it was it was at times a liability in the 2020 season Steelers need to make an upgrade at that position and really anywhere off on the offensive line. When have you ever heard of Steelers football in finishing last in the league and rushing? Like Art Rooney II said, Ike, that's never going to happen again. And I look forward to the team establishing the run this upcoming season because it's going to open up everything else for this offense.
1: You establish a good offensive line. You establish your identity. And that's something the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't have on offense last year. They didn't really have an identity Uh, they tried passing for 11 games, but them 11 games felt like they have been on bar time. So if you do get an offensive line, you're going back to what Derrick Henry is doing right now, which is running behind a good run game in the offensive line. You're going, you're going to Nick Chubbs, Kareem hunt, which is, which is what Cleveland is doing running behind the mean offensive line. So yeah, If you want to get back to the running game, or if you want your quarterback protected, you just use the word, you get value at that position. And usually when you go high, when you go offensive, defensive lineman, that's true value to that organization and them positions.
0: I want to move to the news about Steelers cornerback, Justin Lane, getting arrested. He is facing a felony gun charge at this point in time. He was stopped going 89 miles per hour in a 60 mile per hour zone. He's a third round pick in the 2019 NFL draft out of Michigan State. He's gotten some time, and he's played more and more through the years, but this is a position that's a little bit thinner, Ike, considering Mike Hilton left in free agency and also considering that the Steelers cut Stephen Nelson at the cornerback position. I think Lane was going to be in the mix to get playing time because Joe Hayden, who's 32 years old, is in a contract season, the final right. year of his deal with the Steelers. Steelers just re-signed Cameron Sutton to a two-year deal. But I think Lane was going to be in the mix because if you wanted to play Sutton at the nickel when you have three corners, five defensive backs on the field, he was going to be in the mix for the Steelers. And so I'm curious to see whether this leads to a suspension, a fine, what have you. I'd imagine the Steelers will keep Lane on their roster just for the simple fact that you need cornerback depth. This is another position I think that the Steelers – could address in the NFL draft later this week.
1: No, nah, Pittsburgh will address that as far as like the cornerback position. But as far as like Justin Lane, it's just a learning lesson right now. You got some free time in the offseason. You got a little bit more money sitting in your bank account. Um, your decision-making has to get better because this what could possibly happen to you when you mismanage your free time and not act like an adult in the off season. So um, I don't think Pittsburgh gonna do too much. They might find him. The league might suspend him. Um, I don't think he has been getting into too much trouble anyway. So at the same time, this is a learning lesson not only for Justin Lane, but everybody else in that Pittsburgh still an organization. Hey man, you got some free time. Uh, make sure you use your time wisely. And like the old people say, man, ain't past ten o'clock. Ain't nothing good in the streets. Ain't nothing good in the streets. Mark mark. So. Hopefully, he can mature, understand what he got to do. He's going to have a consequence. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to handle their business as far as, like, what they need to do, it's ch- as far as, like, chastising him. But at the same time, man, this has got to be a learning lesson for him. Um, He's talented. Justin Lane is very talented. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are really relying on him to improve from last year to this year and make a significant impact on that defense. So, like you said, they, they kind of shorthanded at that cornerback position, but I don't think they're going to do too much. But for me, how I look at it, you know, this is this a lesson not only for Justin Lane, but everybody else in the organization on what to do with your time in the offseason.
0: Lane granted a release on a personal bond. His next court date is set for May the 5th, so we'll see how that plays out with the justice system and then again how the league decides to handle that whether he faces a, susp- a suspension a fine what have you again I don't think that the Steelers will get rid of him just because this is a positional need that they have but it's funny you say Ike nothing good happens after 10 o'clock if I would have asked you 10 years ago that might the, your curfew might have been say midnight maybe past that but as no, you get not- older and older you, you, you come to realize that that curfew gets earlier and earlier
1: Man, my curfew probably would have been four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Ten years ago, my curfew was a little bit longer. I was saying the next day from the next day. But um, and that's what I'm just trying to tell them to understand. I'm far from perfect. But uh, I've been down that road and it's just the social media part, it's the pandemic, it's what's going on in the world right now. Everything is in heightened, you know, and you gotta walk a tight, a tight line when it comes down to football and staying out of trouble. You got to understand eyes going to be on you. You got to understand once your name come across that ticker, you know, I'm not saying you're famous, but you, 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 you becoming a household name. So you just got to understand the position you in as a professional athlete, as much as you don't want a spotlight. And some guys just don't want the spotlight. You're going to be in the spotlight because of what you, what you do in your job occupation. So for Justin lane, man, like I said, I just hope this is just a learning lesson for him to understand what he needs to do for his time in the offseason or with his time in the offseason.
0: Still only 23 years old. So we'll see how that shakes He's just out a baby. next month. Absolutely. I'm with you there. We'll go to your top defensive backs in the 2021 NFL draft Ike. And this might be the position group I'm most excited about considering you played cornerback for 12 years for the Steelers. And we kick off your rankings with South Carolina's JC Horn and a lot of, like a lot of the players we're going to talk about today, Ike son of a former NFL player, Joe Horn was like an underrated stud receiver for years for the saints. And so the South Carolina product coming in, allowing only eight catches in the 2020 season. He was flagged five times, but he's a physical corner. What did you see from him on film to make him your top corner in this week's draft?
1: I got a, I got a, so what I put was a damn dog. That's what I put when you watch him on tape. <laughs> if anybody don't know Joe Horn, AKA Hollywood Horn, who was a New Orleans Saints wide receiver, he was one of the first with the antics on having a cell phone the cell after he scored a touchdown. Now he got a son, J.C. Horn, which is a stud, which is my number one cornerback for the cornerback positions. Um, what I saw on tape, for JC Horn was a backpedal and it's an old school, it's an old school way that I think guys today in this generation have have gotten away from. Everybody shuffles now, but when you backpedal, it puts you in position to break on slants, digs, outs, posts, now you do have to flip your hips on deeper routes, that nine route, that go ball, but that's what put him in a lot of position. So when I looked at J.C., I looked at him blitzing. I said, "Man, this dude can do it all. Not only he can come off the edge and blitz, which is something I really couldn't do. I just wanted to cover and hit all day. He can hit, he can catch, <laughs> and 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 he's very route aware. So what I mean by that is, if you got two guys on one side, meaning wide receivers, there's usually a combination in routes. So he reads combination routes." real well. And not only do you as a good corner, not only do you not need to know route combinations, you need to be very instinctive. And he's very instinctive. Now you can have a cover corner, or you can have corners that like to hit. But when you find a guy who can do both, which is JC horn, he don't mind covering one on one, and he damn sure don't mind coming up and laying the wood. That's why I had him at number one for my cornerbacks.
0: Yeah, and some people get too wrapped up in the production, two interceptions, but remember, he opted out of the final three games of the season once South Carolina head coach Will Muschamp got fired. But, Ike, like I said, a lot of players on this list that we're going to be talking about today are either son of former NFL players, which makes me feel old, or son of professional (laughs) athletes. I tell you what, though, if J.C. Horn has any kind of success – in the NFL. And I love that he uh-huh. plays corner while his dad played receiver. He's going to have to come up with a celebration of himself that tops his dad celebrating in the end zone with a cell phone. He's going to have to figure out a new celebration. And I can't wait to see it once that happens.
1: Well, he, he might just go throwback back one day and take the fine and pull the phone out. If you get an interception <laughs> to the house, just like his daddy for old time's sake.
0: Part of the family legacy—it's in his lineage, Ike. And speaking of former, uh, the sons of former NFL players. Your number two corner, Patrick Sertan, the second out of Alabama, is another one of those players—the son of 11-year NFL veteran and three-time Pro Bowl cornerback Patrick Sertan, the senior. This is going to be a, a repeated trend throughout today's discussion, Ike.
1: So what I what I got in my notes is just like his daddy. <laughs> And what I mean by just like his daddy is one, I gotta give a shout out because we from New Orleans, so I gotta give a shout out to his dad, Pat Sertain. Two, uh, what I did like about Pat Sertain, the second was every time the ball was in the air, he never panicked. He he, his mind transferred from being a cornerback to a receiver. Um, he's another one of these guys who went the old school way. So you got two dads who was former players in the NFL. There are two signs on them, or one and two on my list, and it goes back to the backpedal. And what I mean by backpedaling, y'all can YouTube on what a backpedal should look like and why a backpedal help instead of shuffling. Uh, he's another one of those guys, another one of those cornerbacks who's very smooth in the backpedal, um, very physical to a sound tackler. He's really not a thumper like J.C. Horn, but he's a sound tackler. You're not going to get away from him. Of course, coming from Alabama, Nick Saban, if it's one position he's going to have right, it's going to be that corner and safety position because that's like one of his favorite positions on the field. So he's just a fundamentally sound guy, another guy who can who can read combination routes. And he's very well in the slot. They put him in the slot and he get a lot of picks in the slot. Now he'll come off his man and instinctively, if he feels the quarterback is throwing to somebody else, he's going to get that, he's going to make that play. So that's what I like about him. He high point i point the jump balls. And what I mean by how I point the jump balls, he's a combat catcher. And usually when we talk about combat catchers, we talk about receivers who are always covered, but they usually come down with the ball. Pat certain when he was covering, regardless on whether the receiver was jumping with him, he was coming down with the ball. But when you 6'2", 205, and build like how he built running four threes, you should be coming down with the ball off
0: the highest graded cornerback in college football a season Uh ago and the SEC defensive player of the year. And again, another player where this is going to be a common theme on today's show, son of a former NFL player. The number three cornerback, Ike, we go to Virginia Tech, Caleb Farley. And I'll say this, the thing that scares me about Farley, and this has nothing to do with his ability on the field, two Uh back surgeries entering the NFL, that's a huge red flag to me. But potentially, if his value is lowered because of those back surgeries, you could be getting a blue chip player later in the draft than you normally would just given those back injuries. Yeah, Greg, I mean, Caleb,
1: Caleb Farley is a steal. And that is a huge, that's a huge red flag when you want to talk about bringing somebody into your organization especially if you're talking about the back. So it's it's, it's it's two surgeries you don't want, not only as a youngster, but as an elderly person as well. It's the neck and the back. You don't want them to go in and open that up. But the good thing about Caleb is he has youth on his side. And the technology and the rehabilitation is much more better now than what it once was back in my day. So say we're talking about seven years ago, but um, he's just an all-around smooth athlete. You know, he knows what a quarterback wants to throw the ball before the quarterback wants to throw the ball. I think in two games he didn't have like three picks. And I looked at him as a cornerback who would pretty much shine in that Seattle, that Seattle Seahawks kind of defense. Tall corner, plays cover three, uh always reads from two to one. And what I mean by that is two receivers to one side, gotta have the deepest out, either or receiver. But uh Caleb. Caleb just uh, stood out to me in his ball searching. If he wasn't catching picks, he was trying to strip the ball out. If he wasn't trying to strip the ball out, he was forcing fumbles. So for some reason, every time Caleb Farley was around the ball, something good was happening to that to that va to that va defense, and it was all because of Caleb. Um, Caleb didn't panic at all, and a lot of his picks were him jumping either over, over receivers or him catching the ball, even though he felt like his safety or linebacker was going to hit him. So that's what I liked about Caleb. Like he's good in traffic. So it's like playing Dodge cars on i four or I-10. So when you got a guy who has that mentality, all he wants to do is make plays and come down with the ball, regardless on what he puts his body through. That's why I had him at number three.
0: When you mentioned the Seattle defense in that kind of format, the cover three, are you talking kind of more of the Richard Sherman role that he used to play for several years in that Legion of Boom defense? Correct. Correct.
1: Correct. You you, got to be to play as simple as that defense is. You got to be very route aware on what the offense is trying to do to the defense, what routes beat the cover three. And you, you pop in the first four games for VA, and Farley, that's all he did. He understood route combinations. He understood exactly what the quarterback was trying to go with the ball, and he was there before the receiver was.
0: All right, we'll go to number four, Asante Samuel Jr. out of Florida State. Again, all right, three out of four so far. Three out of four. Son of former NFL players, Ike. But he started for three years for the Seminoles. And allowed less than 200 yards in coverage this past season. But what did you see from Asante Samuel Jr. at the cornerback position?
1: You talking about betting, betting on yourself and going to bet online. He's just like his daddy. Because all his, all his daddy did was gamble and bet online. He's exactly, he's exactly like his dad. A good route reader. Uh, he will come instinctively. I don't care what defense you call. He will come off his man and go to somebody else, man, and make that play. That's how much you trust his, his instincts. And if you look at his addict, his dad, Zant, we call him Zant. Um, Zant did the same thing when he was with Philly and when he was with New England. If he had a itch on what you was about to do, regardless of what the defensive coordinator called, he was jumping off his man, <laughs> and he was going to make a play. That's why he got that nickname, Pick Six. Um, Size don't matter and his dad wasn't wasn't tall in, in stature at all but his dad played big all the time and that's the same bloodline Ashante shante samuel junior has as well you know he's he's not that tall but he plays big and you want to talk about a guy who plays big in the run game he plays big in the run game when i say when i say he's a retro of his dad marky mark the man plays just like his dad very instinctive and he's just going to play football so you got to understand when you're getting a guy like Ashanti Samuel, he's going to gamble. He's going to bet online, but he's going to make more plays than none. So that's what I like about Ashanti Samuel. As um, far as like receivers being taller than him, he didn't care nothing about that coming from down in Miami. You know how these Miami guys is. man. These are the Miami guys who play football. They feel like they was born to play <laughs> football in the NFL, and that's the only sport. So the mentality has always been a dog mentality. But every time Florida State needed a play, regardless on whether it was coming up in the run game or just getting interceptions, that's what Ashanti Samuel Jr. did.
0: I saw your former teammate, Brent McFadden, put something out on social media this week saying uh-huh. who's going to be the next Florida State player on the Steelers roster because there's a long lineage of players, BMAC included, Maybe it may be a potential fit for the Steelers. I don't know. I mean, I, I, the Steelers need a corner. They're at least going to need four, you figure. So I'd love to see if the Steelers picked up one of these players, but a potential fit there. And I'd imagine that BMAC has started the campaign for the Steelers to get Asante Samuel Jr., just given the connection with Florida State.
1: No, we, so we talk about right and left side of cornerbacks. So you got to always understand, usually your quarterbacks in the NFL are right-handed. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be – the strength got to be to the left side of the defense. So usually when you have a corner like a Joe Hayden, and we talked about this earlier last season, when you have a cornerback who plays on the left side, he's good with reading combination routes, you know, because offense really ain't going to change what they're doing. They just going to put it in different formations. They can get to the same routes just from a different formation. Now you got to have a a cornerback who's on that left side who's very savvy, very instinctive, can, can soak up a lot of information in a short amount of time. This is what Ashante Samuel Jr. can do, so I can understand why B-Mac has said that with the Pittsburgh Steelers, because that's what Coach T liked. Coach T like his left side, his left side cornerbacks to be very instinctive, don't mind getting beat, don't mind making big plays, sound on the running game, but also who, who's able to read routes. On the right side of the defense, you need guys like myself, who used to like to play one-on-one, because that's the weak side of the defense, not really worrying about help in, in some instances. So that's why Justin Lane is going to come so important whenever he gets the time, whenever he gets done with his time and his consequences. Mm-hmm. That's why he's going to be so important on the right side. You move Cam in the inside on the nickel packages. You let him sit under one ear. You, as in Ashante Samuel, if the Pittsburgh Steelers get Ashante Samuel Jr., you let him sit under one year, under under uh joe hayden understand dissect we get better and you give it to him the after that so i get mm-hmm. why b mac was about from florida state pittsburgh does have a history of with florida state guys we had chris hope we had brian mcfadden we had lawrence timmins um we had a few guys coming from florida state that played with us so we while while i played we had some guys i thought it was florida state you know how many guys who kept drafting from florida state at some point in time. So the history is there for the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially on that defensive back.
0: Yeah, and I don't know what's going to happen with Hayden after this year, what kind of salary he's going to want to get. He's 32 years old as it stands right now, but again, in a contract season. So you're going to need at least four entering 2021. Maybe the Steelers can get one of these guys. To round out your list, Ike, we're going to go to Northwestern's Greg Newsom the second, But Newsom's also played – Right down the road from both of us at IMG Academy in Bradenton for a senior year of high school, what did you see? What does Newsom bring to the table?
1: Um, Just watched the Michigan State game, and a receiver did an out and up. And I'm a huge fan of technique because I had a great DB coach and defensive coordinator, uh, Dick LaVoke. So he was a huge fan of your eyes can be your best friend or your worst enemy. And when you looked at how naturally he flipped his hips, got his head back around to the receiver and wound up making the interception. Now he could have been beat if his eyes was in the backfield, but he kept his eyes on his man, even though his body was in distress at the time, made a play. So that play stood out to me. And when you have a guy who I think could be a project, gets along with a good coach, understand the defense fundamentally sound this guy going to be good for a long time name won't be mentioned high but he will be making plays because he's fundamentally sound in the nfl for a long time he reminds me of a more athletic william gay um, william gay wasn't a household name but william gay played 11 years in the league <laughs> you know what i'm saying under the radar so this is how i looked at greg newsom has everything you're looking for uh not as big as a athlete as Pat Sertain, J.C. Horn, or or Shante Samuel Jr. But when you want to talk about a guy who has all the fundamentals and understanding his eyes are very important to that defense, this is Greg Newsom.
0: To round out your top five cornerbacks in the 2021 NFL draft, J.C. Horn out of South Carolina, Patrick Sertan out of Alabama, Virginia's Tex Caleb Farley, number four, you have Asante Samuel Jr. out of Florida State and Northwestern's Greg Newsom the second Ike, we're going from corner to safety now, and we're going to IU Jamar Johnson, the safety from Indiana. He was your top rated safety. And I was kind of surprised he was your top rated safety over some of the other players we'll discuss on this list. But what did you see from Johnson on the film that you watched?
1: So when I'm looking at safeties, I'm looking at guys who can play free safety or strong safety. So, that's why I had Jamar Johnson as my number one safety coming from Indiana because he can play in a box or he can play outside the box. So usually guys get labeled, oh, he's just a box safety or he just can play at the free safety position. Now, nah, Jamar Johnson, um, he can play either or. He can play free safety, strong safety. If you need him at outside linebacker, he's willing to play outside linebacker. If you need him at a nickelback, he's willing to play nickelback. That's why I had him. Jamar Johnson at number one because of his versatility on what I saw on the field. Uh, return skills. When you see a DB playing punt return, that says a lot. And Coach T got a saying and the more you can do. So the more you can do, you will, get, you will gain more value and you will be on the field more and longer than anybody else. And that's what I liked about Jamar Johnson. He was able to play punt return at Indiana. As far like, As far as like hitting, I call him a missile because he, he didn't mind coming up and hit. And usually when you got a guy who plays center field at the free safety position, they kind of be tentative on hitting, but he, he pretty much does it all great ball skills. And when he has the ball, he's not looking to toe tap his feet and get out of bounds. He's looking to score. So that's what also I like about Jamar turnover machine. Um, what I mean by turnover machine is every time he's around the ball, he lands up or winds up coming off with the ball. So when I looked at Jamar, I figured he was one of the best, best blitzers out of all the the safeties that I had. So when I looked at these safeties, um, not only I just looked at inside the box and center field guy, but I said, which, which safety had the most value and off of his versatility, I had Jamar Johnson at number one.
0: Yeah, I really like Jamar Johnson. seven career interceptions throughout his college career. And I saw a clip of him playing cover three in the middle of the field against Ohio State. It was a great game between the Buckeyes and the Hoosiers. And he picked off Justin Fields, who's going to be a top draft pick in this draft. Justin Fields only had six interceptions in the entirety of the 2020 season. So if you're intercepting one of the top quarterbacks who's going to go into the league To me, that signals that he's a film junkie because Fields doesn't turn the ball over. The way Ryan Day and the Ohio State Buckeyes offense is schemed is to where a lot of it's pre-snapped, predetermined where the quarterback's going to go with the football. And he was able to pick off one of the top quarterbacks entering this draft. I think that only bodes well. I thought he played well in the open field To me, I would rather have him at that free safety position than down in the box. But if he can do both, like you said, Ike, that only adds to his value.
1: Correct. And and that's how I looked at my free safeties and my strong safety. Oh, I'm sorry. That's how I looked at the safety position in general, a guy who can play multiple positions on the field. Now, the next guy you're going to talk about, they had him at number one. We're going to talk about, they had him at number one, but I explained why I had him at number two on my board.
0: Yeah, I know, Courtney, our producer, is going to be happy about this. TCU's Trevon Morig. and he was the Jim Thorpe Award winner given to the top defensive back in college football. You had him at number two. Most pundits I've seen, Ike, had him at number one. Explain right. why you had him at two behind Jamar Johnson.
1: Because I just felt like Jamar, his versatility meant a lot to me, and you used the word earlier when we was talking about offense alignment, his value. So I'll look at the value when when I'm grading guys and when I'm looking at guys, especially at this safety position. Uh, He's another safety that can play free or strong. Um, He's another safety. And what I put in my notes was his awareness is off the chain. So he pretty much know where you're going before you go there and shout out to, to, to Trayvon because he must be a film junkie as well. Uh, smooth in his back pedal. Now, he was one of the only safeties I know that I saw who went throwback too when it came down to backpedaling, putting himself in position. And uh, speaking of position, I, I put in big caps. He's always in position. So when you're always in position, you're always going to be around the ball. You're always going to be able to make a play. And that's exactly what he did. Um, I, tr- I felt like Jamar Johnson was much more of a thumper then they're more red because he's much more bigger. Jamar Johnson is in size. But as far as like being the Thorpe Award winner, that, that says a lot on what you can do because there's a lot of DBs in in the NCAA. And for you to bring home that award, you got to be damn special. But um, TCU, for the most part, when it comes down to defensive guys, you know, they've they been pushing a lot of guys quietly into the league. They've been running that three-three-five defense. And uh, they kind of set the, the stone for that. Now and this is what the NCAA is doing now. When it comes down to defensive calls, a lot of these defensive coordinators is going to the three-three-five. But TCU has been doing the three-three-three-three-five before everybody else. But Trayvon, man, he's just a just a good, solid, sound guy. Um, The reason why I had Jamar because I like I had Jamar Johnson over Trayvon is because I like what I saw the versatility-wise. But you can go one A one B when you want to talk about Jamar Johnson or Trayvon Moore. It really don't matter.
0: I always like to see players make plays when it really, really matters. He had a clutch interception late in the Oklahoma state game to help TCU come out victorious. in that one too. And I, some, some of our listeners might be saying, three, three, five, isn't that a liability in the running game? You have to keep in mind in, in the big 12, the style of football that is played. It's, Hey, we're going to run spread. We're going to air it out, which is why you run that kind of defense. Yeah. Uh,
1: football now, It's not vertical anymore. It's horizontal. So it's going sideline to sideline. And sideline to sideline, meaning offensive coordinators now want to get the ball in their best athlete's hands right now. So you got to have guys on the field that are fast, aware, and good open field tacklers. Now, who are these guys? These guys are nickelbacks, corners, safeties, hybrid, Linebackers. So when you go to a three-three-five, you just adjust into what you think the offenses are going to do in the future. And as you can see, ain't nothing been going on in the league and in college but spread offenses. You know they run the ball if they really have to, if they really have to. But nowadays, coming from with these seven-on-seven camps, all you want to do is get the ball to your best guys on offense. So on defense, you have to have guys who are fast, smart aware and understand they got to be
0: good tacklers in space. All right, Ike, I'm going to be a broken record today. The son of another former player, son of Oregon and former NFL defensive back Alex Molden, his son Elijah Molden out of Washington was your number three safety in the 2021 draft. Just give the listeners what you saw out of one of the Pac-12's best safeties from this past season.
1: Probably the most passionate safety and what i had under him was very violent he was very violent (laughs) usually some guys i use the word he's a good tackler he's a great tackler now this guy's a violent tackler so the first thing that came to my mind was ryan clark and when ryan clark hit you a guy played with he tried to take the soul up out of you you know, that's it. He, he, he didn't try to hurt you. He didn't try to inflict pain. He tried to take the soul up out of you. And from what, with all I know and how I've been raised, there's only one person who can take the soul up out of you and it's God. But when you looked at Elijah moment, <laughs> when you looked at Elijah Moulder, you said, man, this dude is really trying to hurt other young men. So he's really trying to take the soul out of him. Um, he's good at stripping the ball. Uh, he didn't have a lot of interceptions, but you know he's a he's a box safety. I wouldn't I wouldn't put him at the free safety, but if you want an enforcer, if you want a security guard, if you want a, a guy who can patrol the area and you got to be aware where he is at all times in that box, it's Elijah Moten, and that's what I liked about Elijah Molden. Uh We we talking about driving through the ball, so you you practice this at practice but well, usually guys don't take it to the field. So when you hit the pads, the first thing your coach tell you is drive through the person. Drive through the person. Don't let your legs go no. This is exactly what Elijah Molden does when he hit people. He drive he drives through them um very well. So between that 15 to the line of scrimmage range, that's that's where he sits at, you know, so that's 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 what I like about Elijah. That's why I didn't, I didn't have him at one or two. Because I thought, well, I think he's a box safety. But as far as, like, bringing that wood, you want to talk about giving your defense a physical personality? Here's the guy right here, Elijah Moten.
0: The comparison to Ryan Clark is high praise, I And Steelers fans know all too well the hit he had on Willis McGahee many moons ago in the AFC championship game. I wasn't sure either player was going to walk off the field of how violent it was of a collision it was between those two players. So that is high, high praise right there. You mentioned the versatility of players. I saw Molden on film up at the nickel and the cornerback position quite a bit too. And I saw one play where he's playing against Stanford. And instead of having his eyes glued on the opposing team's cornerback, uh, quarterback, he was able to read the slot receiver to determine what the play was going to be before it even happened. And he was able to be instinctive because you could tell he knew from watching film, okay, if the slot receiver is going to come out to try to block me, a screen pass is coming. And the quarterback hadn't even turned to throw the ball to his receiver and he's already disrupting the play. He actually gets there early. So to me that shows this is a player who's going to watch a ton of film in preparation for, four big games as well, and that's only going to bode well for him once he gets to the league. I mean, his
1: dad played in the league. So usually the guys, the the film junkies, the guys you've been talking about, Mark, their dad played in the league. So they understand how important film is, how much more easier it is to play and free it is to play on the field when you study and watch tape.
0: All right, we're going to go right down the road from you staying in Orlando, Ike, UCF's Richie Grant, your number four safety in the 2021 NFL draft. One of the most experienced safeties in this class, too. He had more than 2,600 snaps played at the collegiate level, so he has quite a bit of experience. And Ike, this is another player who, we mentioned this about uh, certain players last week, he had two different head coaches in college, started as a, uh, played some t- as a freshman under Scott Frost. Scott Frost goes to Nebraska, and then Josh Heupel comes in for the remaining three years, and he still had production when he played on the field. So he also graded really well at the safety position this past season, playing for UCF as well. And I'm going to say national champions. I'm going to put that in air quotes, Ike, but a player who performed well at the collegiate level.
1: Yeah, you talked about experiencing 2,600 snaps um, because he's a fifth-year senior. So, you know, he he got a whole extra year other than everybody else who's coming out at this safety position. But he's another one of these thumpers. You know, he's another one of them guys you sit in the box. He's another Elijah Moten. He's another one of these, these safeties that you can put him in any defense and he's going to understand the defensive calling. He's going to get guys lined up. Now, I looked at... I looked at richard grant as as being a outside linebacker possibly in some packages or you know strong safety or a hybrid uh playing around the line of scrimmage he's another one of these 15 and down guys now he can play in space he can play free safety if you ask him to but i just think his passion his aggressiveness is more of an in the box like elijah moton so he made plays out plays you know they was trying to run if you watch tape, they were trying to run a lot of 10-yard outs on him. He was right on the point with that. Tried to run a few slants in, in, in third and fourths. He was on point with that. So he gets the route combinations around the line, the scrimmage. Um, but when you got a guy who's a fifth-year fifth senior, that's experience. And he knows and he understands football. And he can get the defense lined up if you need him to.
0: And this was a player who during the senior bowl practices just kept seemed to making plays where I was watching footage before the senior bowl, the actual game. It's there's Richie Grant again. There's Richie Grant again. Oh, Richie Grant with the play, regardless of where he lined up to. And I thought that not only did he take snaps covering receivers in the slot, he also excelled doing that consistently during the senior bowl practice in Mobile, Alabama. So I, that to me is just what stuck out to him. Is you have a player with plenty of experience and a player who I think is going to bring just everything we've talked about, those skill sets to the table. Not to mention a broad jump of nearly eleven feet, an explosive athlete, a player who is consistently in the backfield of opposing offenses throughout the duration of his time at UCF.
1: Yeah, Richie Grant seen it all. So when you got a guy who pretty much seen it all, because. You know, he was able to get an extra year in college and have 2,600 snaps, man. What you going to show me that I haven't seen is his mind frame, you know, and he's very confident and very instinctive because of his experience. So I, I look at Richie Grant going into an experienced defense. Hopefully and starting right away. And The reason why he's going to start right, right away is because he's going to know the playbook. And once he understands the playbook, he's able to get on the field ASAP. Once you put him on the field, he's going to wind up dissecting, you know, offensive formations on what you want to do between first, second, and third down. So I like the value of Rich. I just think he's an in-the-box kind of guy.
0: All right, we're going to go back out to the West Coast. Javon Holland out of Oregon is your number five safety, another disruptor, nine interceptions over the past two seasons, and he excelled even as a freshman for the Ducks as well, all over the field, a disruptive player. What did you see from him on film, though, Ike?
1: So I don't know if you watched that Mortal Kombat movie yet, but I watched it last year. I week. haven't
0: yet. I haven't yet.
1: So I, you know the game because the game has been on Nintendo PlayStation for oh, yeah. years. Uh, oh, yeah. Luke King. So he reminds me of Luke King. And what I mean by Luke King is it's a lot of things that's going on around him. Uh, whether it's his teammates whether it's offense alignment defense alignment receivers him about to, him about to get hit him knowing he about to take a big shot and he's just cool and calm and put himself in the matrix and always come down with the ball so you want to talk about a guy who doesn't mind catching the ball in traffic with, <laughs> with a lot of things going on around him this was javon Holland. you know that's that's how i looked at him i'm like damn every time every time he get in the interception he's the calmest out of everybody on coming coming down with the ball, and he likes to score. So he's also a punt returner, and that brings more value, too, like a Jamar Johnson, when you're able to get on the field as a return or special teams guy, because that's what you're going to have to do anyway as a rookie. The only reason, the only way you're really going to get on the field is if you're good at special teams, and that's what he does as well, like a Jamar Johnson, is play punt return. He's a good open field tackler. And I thought he was the best all-around, best all-around safety. I thought naturally catching the ball and having hands, it was just a natural instinct for him. But um, I had him at number five. And the reason why I had him at number five, because Oregon, you know, the the, 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 the people he played in Oregon and all that good stuff. But the Conference of Oregon, I'm sorry. But as far as, like, just being a natural, um, smooth sailing open field, catching the ball in traffic. He was just like butter, you know, but it's it's a lot of these guys. It's a <laughs> lot of these guys in front of him. That's, that's going to get drafted pretty high. Um, but yeah, that's what I had with Javon Holland, man. This is, I thought, I thought he was a receiver to be honest with you, how he was coming down in, in high point and catching the ball, a good open field tackle, you know? So for me, um, he wasn't tall in statue. But at the same time, he kind of, well, I ain't going to say this guy because we got another guy coming up, honorary guy. But yeah, Javon Holland, just he he just, a lot of things he did was kind of effortless. So you really looking at him like his body language, do he care? Yeah, he cares a lot. That's just my personality. Like, I'm just so smooth and cool like that, and I make things
0: look easy. Like, you are an absolute fool with your analogies, and that's why you're the <laughs> absolute best. <laughs> it's the absolute best. We got to get to our honorable mentions, Ike. And when you initially texted me about Mike Lee out of Kansas, I was like, you've conspired with my brother. Now, listeners might know this about me. I'm a University of Missouri grad. My brother is a Kansas grad where Mike Lee went to school. At first, I thought you'd be conspiring with my brother, Scott. And at first, I'm like, why are we going to be talking about a player from a winless Jayhawks team this past season? And then I flipped on the tape. And it was just like, okay, which ball carries are you going to lay the wood on next? And it was against Texas. It was against Coastal Carolina. It was against his own teammates in the spring practice. Mike Lee out of Kansas, all over the field. So the film doesn't lie, Ike. I would accuse you of some Jayhawks favoritism over my alma mater, Missouri, a Big 12 rivalry that dates back generations. But I cannot lie to you, I liked what I saw from Mike Lee at the safety position.
1: So shout out to Mike Lee coming from New Orleans. And when you when you pop in Mike Lee tape, all you see is violence. And every time he hits somebody, either somebody going to sleep, either he's getting 15 yards in the flag, he's a, either he's causing fumbles, or he's making somebody's son look bad on the highlight reel and that is and that is mike lee but the thing i like about mike lee he's smaller he's five nine and some change so he's gonna always have this chip on his shoulder and how we say it from new orleans man you got me messed up and what i mean by man you got me messed up is just because i'm small in stature you think you're gonna mess over me man you got another thing coming and when you type in you can just i'll, I'll talk to his his former head coach in high school He said he was a man amongst boys, and he was the smallest guy on the field. I talked to his coach at Kansas. He said, man, sometimes we had to tell Mike Lee, don't even come to practice. You had to coach some of your young guys up because that's how violent you was on practice. So for him, when I saw Mike Lee, the first thing I said was, he's a stealer. And if anybody don't know Mike Lee, I guarantee you, you will know Mike Lee. About time the third game of the season come, wherever he go, you're going to understand this dude is all football, all passion. And there's some guys who are who are men, and there's a few guys who are just alphas. And Mike Lee is an alpha when it comes down to being on that football field. Uh, he's he's – I'll put in my notes, Honey Badger cousin. So he's Tyron Matthew cousin. I think he hits a little bit harder than Honey Badger. I think he tries to emulate and pick up his return skills – From Honey Badger, because he's he's another one of those guys who loves to reverse fields once he gets the ball in ball in his hands. But Mike Lee, man, I Mike Lee, pound for pound, you want to talk about Canelo Alvarez being pound for pound one of the best boxers right now? Mike Lee, pound for pound, is probably one of the hardest hitting safeties, not only in college but in the world, Craig.
0: I saw against Rutgers he had a pick six as well where he's just making everyone miss and certainly a bright spot for the Jayhawks this last season because there weren't many of them. I want to give a quick shout out as well to Joshua Bledsoe out of Missouri, and he's another safety I'd imagine he'll will get drafted at some point, probably on day two or day three. Made a key deflection during a goal line stand against Missouri's upset against LSU, At that point, the Tigers, the LSU Tigers, were only one and one on the season. So to upset the defending national championships was very impressive, especially considering Missouri needed a goal line stand to stop LSU from scoring on four downs. So I'd imagine he'll be a player we see as well. And I got to show love. I think it's funny, Ike, you picked the Kansas player. And I know know Mike Lee's from the New Orleans area. You picked the Kansas player, not the Missouri player. I just have to point it out as a Missoula alum
1: i respect it i know where you're going with this and i didn't do this on purpose i didn't talk to your brother i just saw mike lee and i saw he went to kansas and i popped in the tape i said man and shout out to my son too i gotta give a shout out to my son because he put me on my son ivan because he put me on mike lee because all he does is watch his tape and he was like dad have you heard of this kid named mike lee and i was like who the hell is he he was like, Dad, go check out his teeth. Really? So out Ivan's, his the one
0: who, Ivan's the one who found Mike Lee then?
1: He, he's the one who found Mike Lee. So, you know, he, he said, man, he, that he he a little different. So then when I found out where he was from, I just dug a little bit deeper. So I know you went to Mizzou. I get it. I understand. I got a few guys. I coach. They're playing safety and corn at Mizzou as well. But uh, shout out to Kansas and Mike Lee. And shout-out to your brother, so don't get mad.
0: All right, all right. I, we're going to start to wrap up here on today's show. Later this week, we're going to go through our mock draft. So we're going to go through the first round of all of our picks. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the Believe in Steelers podcast. But a lot of shout-outs are in order, Ike. i got to thank you, as always. You're the absolute best. To producer Courtney and her team over at Brinks to the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, who else am I forgetting here? Bet online is well, especially with the draft this week and with the Kentucky Derby on Saturday, an event I always love watching. A lot of times I actually physically go to Churchill Downs as well. Like, but uh, this week's going to be a lot of fun. It's like Christmas Day if you're an NFL fan.
1: 100%. Uh, I'm just going to pick it back off you. Uh, shout out to all the draftees and the draft picks who will going to get drafted for the 2021 um, it's gonna be a game changer. It's a lot of dreams gonna come true. Uh, my dream came true in 2003. Shout out to Believe in Podcast. Shout out to Marky Mark. Shout out to Miss Courtney at Brinks TV, her, and her crew for just you know keeping us afloat. Not only keeping us afloat, but making us look real good when it comes down to this to this uh, podcast and this TV deal. Um, shout out to Bet Online. Bet Online been rocking with us since day one. Appreciate y'all. We all family. Uh, and that's about it, man. Um, tune in. Make sure y'all give us five stars. 4.7 ain't going to work. 4.9 ain't going to work. Make sure you hit the five stars. <laughs> make sure you hit the five five times, you know, so we can go diamond. So want to thank everybody for tuning in to listening to the Believe and Stillers podcast week in and week out. Rate and review us often and make sure y'all hit that
0: five. I have one more shout-out to give, Ike, uh, where I went to high school, Naperville North High School in Naperville, Illinois. The varsity finished two-in-one. During its spring season had a lot of game cancellations because of the COVID-19 pandemic, but the seniors at least getting three games in this spring, I want to give a shout out to my head coach, Sean Drendel for that as well. I just wanted to show him appreciation because I would not know what I know about the sport, if not for his efforts at Naperville North high school. So shout out to the Huskies as well on what was a shortened season, but hopefully they can build upon that success for this upcoming fall. For sure. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. We'll see you later this week for our mock draft. Take care. So long, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus,